while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on tonight. But we're joined now. You know, we're doing our, our the city council's meeting again. So we're doing our council post game again. Uh, we're going to have uh, members of the city council call in after meetings and talk about what happened, their reaction to it. And um, uh, and with that, we're joined by Council President Ian Abreu. Hey, Ian. Hey Marcus, good evening. How are you? Long time no see. Yeah, no kidding. So let's well <laughs> let's let's talk about that first, actually. So sure. um Healy and um uh, uh Healy and Kim Driscoll, their second day as uh the nominees for governor and lieutenant governor, they decided they wanted to come to New Bedford on their second day um and accept the endorsement of Mayor Mitchell. Now you were early on the endorsement of Kim Driscoll. Um, I remember as far back as at least the feast when there was still a, a pretty hotly contested primary. Um, what are your thoughts on their visit to New Bedford? Well, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it wasn't the typical uh, political dog and pony that you've seen or we've seen in the past. Uh, Attorney General Healy and uh, Mayor uh, Driscoll, both the Democratic nominees for governor and lieutenant governor, came to New Bedford this afternoon, and I read your your article about it, I think Marcus really captured the spirit of it. Um, and it was really more of, of an informal thing. It was a meet and greet with uh, some of the area press. It was a meet and greet with some counselors who wanted to show up. Councilor Burgo uh, had joined me today, which was great to see. Uh, obviously, as you talked about, and, and folks know, I think the world of Kim Driscoll. Uh, she called me uh, a few months ago before she even came to the feast to talk about her vision her plan and her and I just clicked right off the so, bat. So she and actually went out of her way to contact you. She did. She was the only one in the whole race who contacted me who was running for lieutenant governor. No kidding. Um, the only one. And, wow. you know, <laughs> you would think, I mean, I, and I'm not trying to blow smoke, uh, you know, to, uh, on myself, but I, if I were running for statewide office, me or my team would search election results and I would think you'd want to hit up the president or the chairman of the select board or the person who gets the most votes in the community and uh the only one who did that in lieutenant governor's race was kim driscoll so kudos to her yeah. and her team for doing their no, homework seriously, that was smart yeah they sought me out and uh they got me uh on board early we talked about municipal issues we talked about this already but we talked about municipal issues and she understands the plight of gateway cities and the constraints for which they operate and she's the mayor of salem and New Bedford and Salem have a lot of similarities uh, as it relates to the ports, the socioeconomics, and a lot of other areas. And 
you know, uh, it, it was love that first political fight, I guess, you know, and uh, I was all in on her uh, from that point on. Uh, as you know, I brought her to the feast. I, yeah. built, I shuffled her around. I tell you, she shot down the Madeira wine like a Portuguese girl from Tinkham Street. So um, <laughs> she's, she's a New Bedford regular uh, at heart, I can tell. But and all candor aside, uh, it was really great to actually meet Attorney General Healy, her and I, Actually, have never met, believe it or not. Not kidding. Uh, have never crossed, but oh. it was nice uh, for her to say the first thing was that uh, she had heard great things about me from Kim, uh, which was nice, and uh, yeah. she appreciated all the work I did for the ticket to get her running mate elected. So that was nice. And but anyway, it was a great event today. The weather was perfect. You were there. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of assembled media had a chance to really talk to. Um, uh, you know, Maura Healy and Kim Driscoll about the issues that face New Bedford and um, where we're going here in the city as it relates to our port infrastructure, as it relates to offshore winds and how that dovetails in with commercial fishing, amongst other issues. We talked about housing. We talked about economic development. And, of course, the rebound from the COVID-19 pandemic and how we take not only our entire region, which is the greater South Coast and New Bedford, but how we can take our entire Commonwealth uh, to the next level. So um, this is one of many meetings. I, I would venture a guess between myself and Maura Healy and uh, Kim Driscoll, especially between uh, me and Kim. We, we talk regularly, as, as I mentioned before, we text and we talk about issues. So, um, And that's a good thing for those you know, residents of the city who are listening to this. Um, it's a good thing to know that I would feel that um, your council president, your mayor, and other councilors can text people like a Kim Driscoll, an Andrea Campbell, a Diana DeZoglio, uh, house look, leadership. Look at, like look, at you. Look, at you, look at you name dropping all over the place. That's what I am, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing, though, because no. I want to be, you know, it's good because if there's an issue, someone comes to me, I can say, and it's out of our purview, I could say, well, let me text someone at the state house. That's a good connection to have. No, I agree. And actually, uh, I think um, good, uh, great political instincts because uh, you pick the winners. Uh, not everybody picked the winners, but you picked the winners. You, you picked, you picked um, Kim Driscoll. You picked... Uh, uh, you endorsed uh, Andrea Campbell, especially when that race got really hot. You doubled down on it, which was great. And you um, you were very early on Diana DiZaglio as well. So on very all three early, of them. Yeah, yeah no, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, Andrea Campbell was getting a lot of uh, political pushback here in New Bedford. Uh, my friend uh, and former Mayor Scott Lang was stumping hard for her opponent. Mm -hmm. He was running ads on your very yes. station. He was, he was uh, also running ads for Kim Driscoll. He was, which was good. So mm -hmm. uh, he was one for two with me, which is good. <laughs> but uh, he was even uh, bringing her around the city on election day. Uh, uh, Shannon was reared, and he, uh, you know, he was taking her around, and Tony Cabral, and uh, they were they had endorsed her. But yeah. hey, look, the primary is over. Now it's time to rally behind the nominee and yeah. the general. That's the way this works. So yeah. the the uh, you know the battle is over, and now there's a, there's a war ahead, and the war will be in November. Yeah, I. Uh... I, I do want to mention again that Kim Driscoll is a big fan of uh, South Coast Night. She said she couldn't believe how many people heard her interview and, and, and uh, how good it was. So I'm um, just really proud of myself, actually. She, you know, she <laughs> had funny. a line on your show, which is probably the greatest line I've ever heard in municipal politics. I talked about this last week, and she said, there's no such thing as a Republican or a Democrat pothole. And you know me with constituent service, so that 
that drove that that hit me right in the heart. I said, "Wow, that is a brilliant line," and I'm probably going to steal it. I'm not going to lie to you. No, uh, it's really good. She's awesome. Honestly, she's she's great. She's going to be a great lieutenant governor. So we're speaking with Ian Abreu, city council president. Um, so yeah, Nihili and Driscoll are here. They're great. That was great. Um, I think it's great that they chose New Bedford on their second day to come here. Um, uh, Dinah Desaglios, I, I loved her. I love the way that she won because she won without Boston. She's the only person I know that won without Boston. Uh, you look at the electoral map. I haven't sent that to you. I'll send it to you. There's an electoral map somebody made, and it showed that Boston was was for uh, Dempsey. I liked Chris Dempsey, but Boston was he's a good guy, but he, you know he just he came up short here. Um, Boston was very blue for Chris Dempsey, and then the yeah. rest of the map was all Dinah Desaglio. I think it, it speaks to her. Um, I think right. that she's like an indefatigable yep. campaigner and that she went across the state to really meet people, spent a lot of time down here in particular, came on the show as many times as she could. And yep. uh, I think all that paid off for her. Absolutely. I mean, for example, she's coming to our Halloween parade on Halloween night down here in the South End because she knows that there's going to be a few hundred families here with kids. And obviously it's a great way to network, but she wants to support the community and, um, she loves New Bedford, and um, it's really great, uh, you know, uh, to see her uh, coming down. And she's she's Italian, uh, Italian American, and she identifies a lot with the Portuguese culture because Mediterranean cultures like Italian and Portuguese. Mm-hmm. We love our food, we love our families, and we have very rich cultures and very very um, true to our faith. So um, she was able to really fit at home here in New Bedford right off the rip, and. Uh, when I first met her at the State of the City, she sat right next to me. As you know, we had that awkward uh, meeting with Chris Dempsey and Dempsey. That was uh, that was hilarious, man. That was Chris so Dempsey, funny. Well, how the best part was when Chris gave me his card, and he was a gentleman by all means. And he, he goes, was. "Have you lost anyone yet?" And I said, "Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I, yeah. I, I kind of, you know, I kind of played it off. Yeah. I kind of was coy about it. But uh, look, honestly, we haven't heard the last of Chris Dempsey. He's a nice guy. He's a yeah. gentleman." Uh, he and that was and I was very proud of how that race played out. Yeah, sure, there was some politicking going on about why each of them were better in the race or whatever. But uh, it never got nasty. None of the Democratic side races got nasty, mm. and I was very proud of that. Whether it was the LG race, the AG race, the auditors race, there was no mudslinging, no personalities, no families were dragged into it. It was just good, hearty policy debates and. Um, I enjoyed watching the debates and listening to people come on, the candidates come on your show, uh, Marcus, and uh, I thought it was good stuff. It was really good for democracy. So we're speaking with uh, City Council President Ian Abreu. So, yeah, we covered the statewide stuff, I think, pretty thoroughly. Let's move on to the local stuff. So this is the council post-game segment. We wanted you to talk about what happened to the city council today. Now, Mayor Mitchell was on with Tim earlier today to talk about the city council, uh, the, the, your, um, or the ordinance in front of the city council that was <clears throat> to reclassify salaries. What's your thoughts on it? What happened to it? The item, as expected, uh, was referred to the committee on ordinances, and okay. uh, which is chaired by Ward 3 Councilor Hugh Dunn. So um, I'm sure Councilor Dunn will be a guest on your program at some point over the next month or so when we start having the hearings on this. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, g- generally, uh, I'm generally supportive of this. Um, we're going to delve into it more. I've already sat with our head of human resources and some of our department heads. Um, we're going to delve more into this when it goes into committee and really roll up the sleeves. But 
uh, basically, uh, to put it in layman's terms, this Unit C salary reclass, these aren't the folks in the unions, right, like the police, fire, teachers, AFSCME, and they, those contracts are collectively bargained, as we yeah. all know. Right. The Unit C managerial positions are not, so uh, we have to figure out a way to uh, make our packages of compensation more competitive for today's job market because uh, we're having just a devil of a time uh, attracting talent and retaining the talent that we have. We're getting poached left and right by other municipalities. Other municipalities nearby on the South Coast, without naming names, uh, that have populations of 10, 12,000 people are taking away some of our best and brightest because they can pay them 10 to $15,000 more a year. And we're just not able to compete. I mean, they have talked about it, and I know intimately the issue as well because I'm getting all the briefings on this, and I've been involved in it. Um, look at our CFO, Chief Financial Officer position, uh, when Ari Sky left to take the job as a town administrator in Lakeville. Um, we've had an interim CFO, Mike Gagne, who's done a fantastic job. The mayor of the administration, we contracted out uh, in the city a uh, nationally acclaimed uh, headhunter is what they would call you, a job search individual firm to be able to go out and look for the best and most qualified to come and uh, interview for these positions. They try to identify candidates and they bring them into interviews and we see if it's a good fit. We did not get one bite at the apple for chief financial officer and a nationwide search. Wow. So what does that tell you? That tell you that that tells you there's a problem. We're not paying enough. Um, and I know there's an argument to be made about, and I think it's it's a high it's a sort of a veneer thin argument, but it is an argument when you say, well, um, we're up in the Indian salaries. Who pays for that salary? The taxpayer. And I say, yes, the taxpayers pay the salaries of the wages of these individuals. However, I believe in talking to other municipal leaders, having conversations with our human resource director and other professionals, but experts in uh, employee relations, it actually costs more to be able to retrain people who uh, maybe not don't have the skill set needed to get the job done. It also costs municipalities more to go to court and litigation if there is a major uh, follow-up somewhere and um, someone presses charges against the city of New Bedford, which that happens from time to time. So the cost of doing business the way we're doing it actually is costing us more than up in the salary ante to attract the best and brightest and most competent. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, and plus, the higher the pay you're going to work, the better the person, the more the more uh, the the more effective the services that your tax dollars pay for are delivered. So, um, and it's um, you know, you, you're not even going to see it in your tax bill. So, uh, City Council President Ian Abreu, um, I think we covered that thoroughly. It's being kicked to the uh, uh, ordinance committee, which is chaired by Hugh Dunn. We'll 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 have to circle back with him as that um, as that progresses. And anything yeah, else? We'll, we'll be more on that soon. The other thing, the other big ticket item, it was a light agenda, but I do want to mention, we did pass in our second reading to adopt the uh, loan order of 10270000 the loan order which uh, included ADA compliance and bathrooms for the zoo, yeah, yeah. roads and infrastructure, yeah. uh, talking about uh, other areas for uh, critically uh, owned uh, yeah. renovations of public safety facilities, recreation of facilities, um, and all other um, costs uh, uh, 
uh, incidental and related there too. So um, I'm, I'm glad that after a fun game of legislative tennis, that finally got um, that finally got finally, over the hurdles. <laughs> Yeah. Finally, of course, the 900000 originally, additionally, that was put into it to renovate the old police station on uh, Pleasant Street, that was um, amended out. I didn't vote for right. that amendment. I wanted to keep that because I wanted to put our housing and community development office in there. They're literally on top of each other in the art building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that failed. It is what it is. Yeah, it's uh, a, it was it was it, that was a really bad vo- that was a really bad vote. Um uh, that was a really bad vote to take that out. I, I think I've expressed my disdain for it quite a bit here. Um, yeah, well, you know, because it's, it's just I stupid government. It's it's just it's just stupid governance. It's voting against something to vote against something, like to pretend to be discerning. It, it's really it's it's awful. I I hate it so, so much. But uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. But uh, but so so that's the deal on that. Uh, so that ten point two. Uh, million dollar loan order has now uh, been approved and. So we're going to be dumping some considerable monies into our streets, and we're going to be doing some upgrades to the zoo, amongst other things. Another big ticket item in that loan order that Jack Spillane had written about was the uh, the shed for the trucks at DPI. That's included within this, so that's good. Um, so these are important things, and look, we've kicked the can down the road far too long in deferred maintenance, and um, this is another... Another tool in our tool belt to be able to get some deferred maintenance addressed here in the city. So those were the two big ticket items. There were other things, but small little things like sewer abatements. And I don't think I don't think uh, your listeners want me to run down the list of uh, individuals in the city who wanted sewer abatements. No, um, but what I do, I'm gonna before I let you go, I'm just gonna put you to work. Someone said, "What's going on in front of the New Bedford Police Station on Rockdale?" Do you, you hear anything uh, about that? Yes, I do. I, I already, uh, when I, I saw it on my way home after the council meeting, and I called our deputy chief, and uh, it was a, a, a moped uh, accident. So oh. uh, someone had flying off, uh, blown off a, a moped. But I was told, apparently, there are no serious injuries, though. So thank God. But, well, that's, uh, good. that's good to know. Um, City Council well, President Ian Abreu, uh, great to have you on, and um, I'm sure I'll see you soon. You will, sir. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks. That was City Council President Ian Abreu, Council Post Game. Yeah, so that's the great part about, um, I think, keeping local programming on all night. Someone asked a question, what's going on in front of the police station in Rockdale? I see it on the WBSM app. I had the City Council President on. I was able to ask uh, ask him what was going on there, and he was able to answer it. Uh, that's, there was a moped accident. Uh, everybody's apparently fine for all intents and purposes, so... Uh, Aaron from Rochester said, what's the date? Um, So you're asking, what's the date for the Conrad Roy event? That's this Saturday at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. in the morning at Fort Phoenix. You can go register for a walk, $20. The money goes to help people who are um, suffering from suicidal ideation and also provide some scholarship opportunities for people to do really good stuff in in, in Conrad Roy's name in in wake of his um, uh, uh, tragic um, passing. And don't forget Conrad's Law, which will target uh, better, allow prosecutors to better, uh, more effectively prosecute people um, uh, like uh, Michelle Carter. So, um, and uh, if you're asking what the date is for the jobs fair, so the the Conrad Roy Walk is Saturday, 8 8 a.m. at Fort Phoenix. If you're asking for the uh, jobs fair at, uh, at the New Bedford Harbor Hotel for Vineyard Wind, if you're looking to get you or somebody that you know into the you know, burgeoning new offshore wind industry. That's Wednesday, September 14th, uh, 4.30 to 7.30 at the Harbor Hotel, which is right on Union Street. A lot of exciting opportunities there. 
So um, we're, we're going to take a break, and then we'll be back. We'll be taking your calls at uh, 508-996-0500. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. Uh, just Marcus Tonight. Chris will be back tomorrow, and I believe we're going to be joined by former Mayor uh, Scott Lang. Uh, always a fun segment when he drops in. First guest, Scott Lang. So uh, looking forward to that. I'm look, also looking forward to your calls at 508-996-0500. I think we've covered a lot of ground so far in just the first hour and a half uh, of South Coast tonight. So just to recap, if you're just tuning in now, uh, at the beginning of the show, we had Dana Ribeiro, who's the former Ward 4 city councilor, uh, but now, and uh, also Dan Kent. Uh, both of them work at uh, Vineyard. Uh, both of them work at Vineyard Wind. And they have a jobs fair program. Uh, they have a jobs fair that is Wednesday, Wednesday, uh, um, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, September 14th at uh, 4.30 to 7.30 at the New Bedford Harbor Hotel. So definitely check that out. You're going to want to check that out. Um, and... And uh, we also talked to the family of uh, Comrade, Ro uh, the mother and stepfather of Com Conrad Roy, Lynn and Roland, the mother and stepfather of Conrad Roy. We talked to them for a bit. Um, uh, and uh, they were talking about a law called Conrad's Law, uh, a law called Conrad's Law that is... Um, that is uh, right now just sitting in the legislature. They're working on passing it. It's going to help people. It's going to help prosecutors better target cases like Michelle Carter, like the Michelle Carter case, and uh, hopefully impose harsher sentences for those situations. Uh, 508 is how you get in the program. Also, Ian Aber came on to talk about uh, for his count for the council post game segment, we're gonna get people from you know all the you know the rest of the city council, not just Councilor Abreu, but Councilor Abreu is um, you know uh, always very reliable, has a firm grip on uh, on the uh, on the issues, and we, we appreciate when he comes on to to give us the uh, give us the updates. Um, but you know, as that go, that's an important. I think that's a really important ordinance as it goes through the uh, ordinance committee chaired by Council Dunn. Perhaps we can have Council Dunn on to talk about that as well. So five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is taking the program. Actually, today Healy was asked a few questions. Um, a couple that she kind of bristled at. Like one was, uh, you know, about potentially running for president. And she talked. Someone asked her about running for president. And she goes, I'm, you know, I'm working on this. She was kind of annoyed by it. I'm working on this campaign. She goes, you know, as soon as I got attorney general, elected attorney general, people said, oh, well, she's going to run for governor. And then uh, Ted Nisi, who was on last night, he was there. He said, but you did run for governor. You're running for governor now. But um, she, again, had a lot of uh, nice things to say about Mayor Mitchell. I mean, really effusive commentary. I keep saying effusive. It means unrestrained praise. Um, but that's the only way to really describe it. Really, um Effusive commentary for the job performance of Mayor Mitchell, saying that he's brought a lot of prosperity to the Port of New Bedford through offshore wind, through the you know the new marine economy in the ocean cluster that's coming uh, to the port uh, to the um, to the Port of New Bedford. Uh, it was a great event. Uh, you know, 
you can read more about it on uh, WBSM.com. But Chris Markey was there. Uh, the newly reelected Chris Markey was there. Uh, Tony Cabral was there. Shane Burgo, Ian Abreu, and of course uh, Mayor Driscoll and um, and more Healy, along with Mayor Mitchell and then members of the media uh, and and uh, onlookers as well. So. Um, 508-996-0500. She was asked about Jeff Deal. You know, she said she's got a 30, you know, someone basically said, you've got a 30-point poll lead on Jeff Deal. How are you, um, you know, able to get uh, any enthusiasm or excitement around your campaign when you, when everybody's basically said, you know, you're the next governor. This is basically just like a coronation. She says, well, you know, of course, I'm not paying attention to polls. Um it's never true, but I do believe that she's anybody, any elect, any campaign, any, um, any, any, uh, someone campaigning for office, uh, especially at that level, they're paying attention to polls, but I do believe that she is not taking that for granted that she's got such a leg up on, on Jeff deal. Um, because I think it is going to be a cakewalk. I mean, Jeff deals challenged her to three debates, uh, so far, she's agreed to one in Boston. I, I, you know, one of her staff members told that uh, told uh, me and uh, Ted Nisi that earlier. And by the way, that was such a good conversation I had with Ted Nisi last night. You can check it out on our podcast feature. We had so much fun talking. You know, we broke down the statewide uh, races. We also talked about some Rhode Island politics, which is getting really interesting. There's kind of an open race for governor there. You know, Lieutenant uh, L- Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee was elevated to, to governor. So he's not, you know, he's the incumbent, but it's, you know, he wasn't elected to that position. So it's kind of an open race for governor there. It's definitely open in terms of its competitiveness. There's also a really interesting race in the Rhode Island 2nd Congressional District. And if you'll humor me, uh, there's a there's a really good race in the Rhode Island 2nd Congressional District that is, uh, it was like, well, come on, Marcus. <laughs> The Rhode Island second. Yeah, no, I'm serious because that was an office that was held by uh, James Langevin for a long time. James Langevin uh, held that office as a as a and was elected as a a quadriplegic, actually Uh, really a great story of resilience. He went to Harvard, a a very smart guy, and uh, he was the state, I believe, the state treasurer and he beat an incumbent to for for the state treasurer's office. So he's leaving. He's retiring onto greener pastures. Uh, James Langevin. And so now uh, Alan Fung is competing for that seat in the Rhode Island second. Uh, he's going to be the Republican nominee with likely uh, Seth, Seth Magaziner. Seth Magaziner is the secretary. I think he's the Treasury secretary now. Uh, that's what Ted said, right? Yeah. He's the Treasury secretary now. And I know that Seth Magaziner got the endorsement of Jake Auchincloss recently and i asked jake auchincloss about it like why did you decide to weigh into this rhode island race i know i know it borders his district but still and he said you know basically i thought it was important i think uh you know alan he goes i heard alan fung's a nice guy but alan you know alan fung first vote was going to be to kevin mccarthy and kevin mccarthy's first phone calls to donald trump but um alan fung actually is he's he twice ran for governor so he has statewide name recognition Already, because he twice ran for governor, um, albeit unsuccessfully, against Gina Raimondo. He was mayor of Cranston. Uh, I don't know if he still is, but he was mayor of Cranston for about 15 years. He's a Republican, but he's definitely more of a moderate, it seems. He's moderated his positions for this congressional run. 
and he has a strong support in Cranston, which is the largest uh, city, which is the largest entire city in the Rhode Island 2nd Congressional District, which is mostly like Western Rhode Island. So um, the last time Rhode Island elected a Republican on the federal level was Lincoln Chafee in 2001. I think it was two, not 2001. It could have been 2001, right? Had to be 2002 because it's an even year. Early 2000s. It was about 20 years ago, Lincoln Chafee. Now, Lincoln Chafee was um, the son of, God, what's that guy's name? Um, I forget the guy's name. What was, his son, what was his dad's name? This is important. <laughs> I promise you it's important. What does... Oh, John Chafee, right? Yeah, John Chafee was the mayor of Warwick at the time. But that was the last time, and Lincoln Chafee went on to be elected governor as an independent, I think was a historically unpopular governor, then ran for president for literally a day. And when he ran for president, he was criticized for repealing Glass-Steagall, voting to repeal Glass-Steagall, because uh, John Chafee died and Lincoln Chafee got appointed to his seat, right, um, to fill out the rest of his term. He, was got, he got appointed by the governor. And when Lincoln... Lincoln Chafee got criticized by, I think, Anderson Cooper in the presidential debate about uh, voting against Glass-Steagall, which is the, uh, which was a, 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 you know, which had kind of been winnowed down over the last, you know, 40 years since it was passed. But it was, it was basically a, regu- a regulatory bill to um, make financialist institutions, um, you know, less like uh, unfettered. I'll, I'll say like more regulated. And uh, so he asked him like, well, you voted to repeal with Glass-Steagall. And he's like, come on, man. I had a bad week. My dad just died. <laughs> so that was the last, that was, the, he really said that because I had a bad week. My dad just died. So he, he, he was the last federal Republican that was elected in Rhode Island. And again, that was about early 2000s. Uh, and then I, I think he lost re-election, or he either didn't run or he lost re-election to Sheldon Whitehouse, who got re who got elected in 2006, and Sheldon Whitehouse was the attorney general at the time. And because Jack Reed in Rhode Island has been there for quite a while, he's chair of Armed Services. So, how do I, you know, we got into Rhode Island. I was talking about Maury Healy's visit here. We got into Rhode Island. Okay, I'm trying to I, now. I remember my train of thought. I was talking about Rhode, uh, Maura Healy's visit. I had mentioned Ted. I had mentioned the interview with Ted yesterday, which you can check out on the podcast, Ted Nisi at WPRI Channel 12 News. He's on TV. Um, and then I talked, then we talked about the congressional race where Alan Fung might be a Republican, the only Republican uh, member of the House of Representatives in New England if he wins. And then I talked about Lincoln Chafee. I think that was the train of thought that I had. Um, but I hope you all learned. I hope you all learned something. So the Rhode Island second, Alan Fung, he might win. Go check that out. Go look it up. Go look it up. So um, 508-996-0500. Yeah. So she was basically saying, you know, uh, so, so they, they've agreed to one. I know Jeff deals challenged her to three debates. They've agreed to one debate so far in Boston. That's one of her, her campaign staff was saying today. I don't know about the others. 
but she's definitely agreed to one. In terms of debate Deal's debate performance, because we had a caller ask about that, I, I don't have high hopes for Deal's debate performance. Um, I, mean, I mean, I hope he loses. I don't want to, Jeff Deal to, to be the governor anyway, and he won't be. Uh, I think it's a good thing. If you're a Democrat, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, I wish... I see, here's some Democrats. Oh, man, I wish Chris Doty because he's so moderate or whatever. You know, Chris Doty's a really nice guy. I met him. Um, he's he's a, still more, I think, I would say probably seems like a bit more conservative than Baker. But, you know, if you're a Democrat and you want the Democrats to ho- take the office again, this is the best opportunity. Not only that, I think attaching Jeff Deal to... The driver's license law, the repeal of the driver's license law, and um, like you know that there's that ballot initiative now. It's going to be on the ballot where people can just repeal the Work and Family Mobility Act, which is a driver's license bill, um, which for completely emotional reasons, there's I don't think there's really I haven't heard a practical reason for repealing that law yet, um, but um, there's a there's a uh, a ballot initiative that that got enough signatures on your ballot whether or not you want to repeal or keep in place the driver's license law that was just passed right and i think having jeff deal's name attached to it because he's the one that worked on getting the signatures that's what he spent most of his summer doing i can't imagine he spent it raising any money because he doesn't have any I think Councillor Abreu has more money in his bank account as a city councillor than this gubernatorial candidate does that's running statewide. I'm pretty sure he does. But attaching his name to that, attaching his name to the fair share amendment, right, uh, to the opposition of the fair share amendment, I think that's a good thing for Democrats. I think it's a good thing for statewide Democrats. It's the best possible uh, scenario, you know. You know, I've heard people say, too, Oh, anything can happen. I've heard callers throughout the day. Well, everybody thought Trump was a joke. That's true. People definitely got caught, uh, caught flat-footed, present company included. I totally got caught flat-footed by Donald Trump. But the one thing is, the thing of it is, Donald Trump may have won. First of all, he didn't win nationwide. You know, most of the country voted against him overwhelmingly, but we have the stupid system of electing the president, so he became one. But Donald Trump, he didn't, he he didn't he won Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, mostly purple states, and he won them barely. I think the difference between Trump and Hillary in those states was maybe a hundred thousand votes, something incredibly marginal. Uh, in the way, considering the fact that they both got about. 50, 60 million votes, 50 something to 60 something million votes. So, um, but Donald Trump wasn't popular here. He didn't win here, right? Like all that stuff. Oh, they thought Donald Trump was a joke. Yeah, but he didn't win here. Or, you know, I think people are bringing up Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. Virginia's, I think, like Virginia's become more of a uh, a reliably blue state because people of a lot of um, more liberal people moving into the beltway, which is, you know, DC and the media and all of that moving into the beltway um, and then becoming registered voters there. Right. So Virginia's become blue in that way. And, and, you know, because of the, uh, we'll say the industry of politics, Uh, but it's not, it's still 
a bit more conservative than um, than a lot more conservative than Massachusetts, which has been you know solidly blue for for decades. And Terry McAuliffe, who was running against Youngkin, was I think a pretty bad candidate. It was a bad candidate for them to put up. I mean, he had already been the governor. You know, he has the 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 Hillary attached to the the Clintons attached to him. Um, he wasn't a good candidate. You know, he had a lot of. He was very similar too, in a lot of ways to to um, to to Glenn Youngkin. Um, they both basically like worked for the same companies. Like they they both worked for the Carlyle Group, which was once the bank for Osama bin Laden and the Bush family. But that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. So. I don't think that, I mean, more Healy saying we're not, you know, we're not looking at polls. We're not taking it for granted. And, you know, she was here today and I just saw a media advisory that came in. She's in Springfield tomorrow. So she was here today and she was in Springfield. Uh, she's in Springfield tomorrow. So she's going out to Western Mass. It's not, that's not, that's far. It's far from where she lives, right? In Boston. So. I don't think she's taking it for granted. Um, so it's, I don't think, I think it's hard to, to catch her flat footed um, on this. I think she's, you know, campaigning fairly. Uh, I think she's, you know, doing what she needs to do to get elected. I don't think she's, you know, whiffing at all. So 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is South Coast tonight with, uh, with Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. Listen to us live. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get uh, on the program if you'd like. Uh, we, you know, we've we've covered a lot today. Um, but back to to Healy's visit again. I thought it was. Um, I think it says something uh, that she was here with uh, with Mayor Driscoll, uh, the 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 governor, lieutenant governor ticket. You know. Basically, the the day, uh, the day or t- uh, two days after. So she went to Worcester. They went to Worcester yesterday. Um, they went to Worcester yesterday, and then today they went to uh, New Bedford, and I think they were in uh, Fall River as well. So I think it says something that they want to prioritize the South Coast in their in their in their in their campaign stops, um, and. Uh, I think it's good that they they both seem to have a really good relationship with Mayor Mitchell. Mayor Mitchell both described them as friends. Obviously, him and Maura Healy have been friends. They went to school together. I think he was a year ahead of her at Harvard. Yeah, he was a year ahead of her at Harvard. And uh, him and Kim Driscoll have obviously done some work together, both being mayors of gateway cities. And uh, he actually described her as uh, one of the best mayors in the country. Uh, one of the best mayors in America. So seems like a lot of respect for her. Um, and it's, again, it's a good thing that uh, that he has a strong relationship with them and that they want to come to New Bedford. I think that's really good. I think that's really good for the region. 508-996-0500 is hanging in the program. We're going to take another break. We'll be right back. Here's what's happening this weekend. Uh, we'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500. Still want to talk about the statewide races, but also open phone lines. We can basically talk about uh, whatever you want. 508-996-0500. We'll also take your messages uh, on the WBSM app chat. So stay tuned uh, for the final hour.